0: You're going to give us a Borat impression to start, Alan? No.
1: We're not that cheap,
0: are we? We're not that cheap. NOT! <laughs> Welcome to Diminishing Returns. Uh, we're doing a sort of mini Sasha Baron Cohen season, of which this is part two. Last week we covered the character of Ali G, and we also touched on some of Sasha Baron Cohen's scripted work, such as The Dictator and Grimsby. Uh, but yeah, we looked at Ali G, specifically Ali G and The House, and we made a real effort to avoid talking about Borat and Bruno. Because that is what we are doing this week. We yes. are covering Borat, Cultural Learnings of America for Make Benefit, Glorious Nation of Kazakhstan, and uh, Bruno as well. Yes. I'm Sol, and as always, I'm joined by Mr. Alan Turing, much Hello. like Sacha Baron Cohen, a man who goes by many different personas. <laughs> <laughs> yes. So, um, where should we begin? I think last week we left off in the middle of that Ali G Show, or more specifically, Ali G and Da USI, mm-hmm. uh, seasons two and three of that Ali G Show to Americans. So, uh, we spoke about how Ali G became this overnight sensation in England, and it very quickly got to the point that he couldn't do his Ali G shtick over here, because everyone knew who he was. Yes. So, to kind of pad out the Ali G show when he spun off into his own TV series, uh, the one of the biggest notable things they did was add the character of Borat, mm-hmm. who was unknown to Brits, <laughs> and therefore could largely get away with doing what Ali G had been doing in the UK prior to that, you know, doing interviews and walking the streets with a camera following him and people not knowing it was all a joke.
1: Yeah, so we, we did touch on this last week in the fact we talked about why did L.E.G., when they were trying to cash in on G or make it bigger or whatever, why do a shit scripted film rather than embrace what it was really about and 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 using that? And you it was you said it kind of it had never really been done before on film. Like you, what how do you make a film based on this genre mm-hmm. that we haven't come up with a name for, of kind of throwing a, a kind
0: of unreal character into reality? yeah with real people some of whom know they're in on the joke most of whom don't mm. like know and what's going on and
1: the interesting thing is obviously that's what they did with borat uh, but what was interesting for me when i just rewatched it the other day i guess i haven't seen it for a few good few years i'd forgotten just how structured it is and how much of a narrative there is running through it oh god
0: it. It, it is remarkable i i have to say i yeah rewatching it again it's been a long time since i watched this film and I was really impressed with the writing, <laughs> um, hmm. with the with the discipline of the writing on the show. It's a very, very simple script. It's a very simple yeah. bit of writing, but they obviously took the time to think. Right, what makes a a story that is satisfying? we need this here, we'll set this up here so we can, we'll set, we'll, we'll, you know, we'll look back at the rushes early on. So, right, this joke where he says not, we can bring that back in the third act yeah, as a kind of payoff. That's a fantastic Like, all these payoff. little things that, that were obviously, and, you know, I read about how they did it. Apparently they had a, something like a five-page treatment they gave to 20th Century Fox to get funding. This is what we're aiming to make. But then internally, the writers put together a kind of 60-page treatment, like a spreadsheet, almost. Like they kind of anticipated, right, well, this person's going to say this, or they might it's do like this. It's like a make-your-own-adventure thing. Yeah, yeah, if exactly. If they say this, if turn they, to page 28. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> Apparently, it was very much like, if they do this, then I suppose what we'll do is I like we'll that. go over yeah. here. and That's
1: interesting. I was, I was thinking about that when I watched it, because there are some elements where it's like, okay, I can see how that would have happened, and they can react to it this way. But then there's some elements that are obviously... They're working on it. They they've gone into something. Going at some point, we need to throw this in, no matter what else happens. Let's get this into yeah. it. Um, yeah. And I, yeah, it's interesting to see. Yeah, that they, they are they just reacting to what's happening. Mm. Are they trying to aim for something? Because yeah. there's a lot of the stuff that's in it. You know, you, you can't tell what's going to happen, no matter how much you've sort yeah. of set it up, and you know the person you're going to interview
0: or whatever. Oh God, completely. And and you know, we we spoke about the difference between doing this in the UK. These sort of video pranks and and doing it in America. I think that difference is never more explicit than in this film, Mm Borat, because there's just some fucking maniacs that he stumbles upon in this film. A lot of them don't seem like set-up interviews. A lot of them just seem like crazy people in (laughs) New York or... I I don't know, and I I suppose you'd find that if if you went to the right place in London or what have you. But I I suppose we should say, if if anyone listening to this bizarrely hasn't seen Borat, it really did create a new genre of film, I would say, and one that there's very, very few uh, instances of out there, but it's a story of a uh, Kazakh TV presenter who decides to go and visit America. To make a uh, show make a about what America's like yeah. Yeah, for the Kazakh TV. And what it actually is, is a, essentially a documentary, uh, as in a real-life documentary with real-life people who aren't actors, all being interviewed by Sasha Baron Cohen in character as Borat doing funny stunts and things, pranks essentially, to wind them up or <laughs> just get a reaction. Uh, I don't know. And but but it all follows a a very loose storyline that I suppose is best summed up as he sees Pamela Anderson on TV, falls in love with her, watching an episode of Baywatch, and decides he's going to marry her, and tries to track her down. Yeah, and that's pretty much the plot in a yeah, nutshell. Yeah, pretty isn't much, it?
1: yeah. Then obviously, just things get in the way on the on the way there.
0: Yeah. And it's a road trip, you know, it's a, yeah.
1: Do you know what else jumped out at me on this watch as Mm. well? Apart from like how much of a story there was, it was how cinematic it was as in the quality of the footage. This is not a little TV crew, camera crew. It was really well shot. They obviously had multiple cameras. It's edited together nicely, and absolutely. There's so many parts where you go. They've obviously filmed that like three weeks later, just that close. Oh yes, yeah, an or insert or something. Uh, yeah, but it, yeah. it's seamless. It works. So it, it, to help build the narrative, yeah, and to work around what they just shot, it's it's re- genuinely impressive. And oh, really? It, it's, it, it's because so it, impressive it's, going it's the back sort of film it. you I, could easily do on kind of TV standard. Maybe not then, but now, like I think you get away with that like cheaper digital camera and just sort of get Definitely. out there and shoot something on little DV cams. and it, 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 yeah, yeah, yeah. The grainy feel would kind of work with the documentary style. But this does not have that at all. It feels like a film.
0: Yeah. I loved this film when I watched it, when it first came out. But I was mm-hmm. 16, yeah. so I was very aware that perhaps it wouldn't hold up, uh, particularly as it is it's arguably quite offensive in places. It's certainly <laughs> a sort of comedy that you have to be able to make a defence for. And I, I think the defence is there. I'm sure we'll get into that in, in, in yeah. a bit. But I was worried it wouldn't hold up, is what I'm getting to. Yeah. And sitting down to watch it, I was just, I was blown away by how well it did hold up for me. I. Uh, but that, what you just said, how cinematic it is, is a big part of that. We spoke last week about how Embarrassingly uncinematic alley G in the houses. Yeah. <laughs> how kind of low rent the whole thing is, and this film isn't, even though it really should be, because it's essentially documentary footage. And it could
1: be. But, That's the point. Like you could easily yeah. shoot it
0: like that and go, okay, yeah. we can
1: make it cheap because it doesn't matter if
0: it looks cheap. But I think a big part of it is how good this film is at world building. The music throughout is phenomenal. I, I think most of the music. Is a you know pre existing weird gypsy music, a gypsy <laughs> covers of not what's it called like gypsy poker? There's like a genre called gypsy something, but 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 like really great music you would never normally be exposed to, really catchy. <laughs> Um, I know Erin Baron-Cohen, Sasha's brother, is a uh, accredited composer on the film, mm. but I think 90% of the music was pre-existing stuff. But even, you know, at the start, you see Kazakhstan as it exists within the world of Borat, which mm-hmm. is, you know, I suppose we should touch on this, nothing to do with Kazakhstan in reality. <laughs> no. um, you know, I-, I think, were it possible Borat would come from a fictional country... But because of the very nature of what they're doing here, trying to fool people, setting up real-life interviews, he had to come from a real country. Yeah. So they could, you know, if people Google it, they're not going to be like, this country doesn't exist. Um, yeah. So, they, But yeah, but used one that nobody knows anything about. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, I, I don't know, it's just, you know, I, I know Kazakhstan were very unhappy with this film existing for painting their country in such a negative light. But I don't know. I think at a certain point, it's it's clear that it doesn't reflect Kazakhstan. It, it, it's kind of I suppose they're an unfortunate. Um, casualty I mean, I of,
1: I understand the yeah. I mean, if you if you mention Kazakhstan, the first thing that will come into my head is Borat. I mean, that's the, that's the basic. Oh, truth. I mean, to the
0: point that was you know there there was a a sporting event a few years yeah. ago where they the, the organizers. Accidentally played the Kazakh national anthem as it appears in Borat, <laughs> the song written by Sasha Baron Cohen and Aaron Baron Cohen, um, yeah. at the event because the organizers had obviously just hopped on LimeWire or whatever and typed in <laughs> Kazakhstan national anthem, yeah. downloaded a dodgy MP3, <laughs> didn't realize it was a joke. But mm. at the end of the day, like I don't know if your reputation can't. It's it's, it's like when. Bo Selector did Craig David as if he was Kez in the movie, the, the kid from Kez. And that was funny because it was nothing to do with Craig David at all. And then Craig David blames it for ruining his career. I feel bad for him on some level, but at a certain point, if your career can't overcome, you know, some silly little joke about it, then perhaps that speaks more about you than the person having a laugh. I, I don't know. It's,
1: uh, I can't say I totally agree with that. And it's, it's something that I think I'm going to come up against again here in the, in the Borat. And I, I kind of mentioned this when we were talking last week and, and I think this, I've got this from watching it this time around and not the last time mm. I watched it. I do have some ethical problems with the whole concept and it's definitely m- taken the edge off my enjoyment of these films. Really? Yeah. No, And I still think they're great films, I the way they're put together and everything, but I think it's done at the expense of people who don't necessarily deserve it.
0: I kind of know what you mean. I, what you said last week, that as this goes on, there's more of a feeling of entrapment. Yeah. I think that is very clear. Um, I think it's even more prevalent when we get into Bruno. Yes, definitely. Uh In a bit. I think you're right. You know, a, a lot of this is people being put into very difficult situations where it, it'd be difficult to manage it. Um, I mean, you know, jumping ahead to Bruno, the one who really springs to mind is um, Paula Abdul, is that her yeah, name? Yeah. Am I confusing her? Yeah, Abdul- who's put into a very awkward situation. She's obviously not comfortable with it. But, you know, you walk in there, you're not going to start kicking off saying this is demeaning for everyone involved, blah, 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 blah. And it's true of Borat. There's a lot of situations where people are put into... Situations where one way of looking at looking at it would be there's no way to come out of this looking good. But then, to be honest, I think a lot of people do come out of this film looking good. You know, like all the stuffy people at the dinner party sequence, for example, who are trying to teach Borat etiquette. Yeah. You know, I, I don't think they were hugely enthusiastic about how they were portrayed in the film. But ultimately, you don't come away thinking what horrible people you know you just think oh yeah they they just were put in an awkward situation with this weird foreign guy you well know? that's it though. i
1: mean the the and i agree i think they come uh, away pretty well but the the problem is that they they've kind of agreed and signed on to sue some little documentary that no one's ever going to see whatever mm and then it becomes this huge international thing so regardless yeah. of how you're portrayed you're suddenly in something that you have no say on yes uh,
0: yeah, and you know
1: true. these things are edited considerably how how much yeah. are they changed to make them look worse maybe mm. maybe the filmmakers made an ethical choice to go okay we'll edit it but we won't try and change it we'll we'll try and represent reality as it happened but even even if you do, you're you're setting them up. You're like I said, it's you're sort of entrapping them into, like the one the one that jumps to mind because I was reading about like who sued and all that.
0: Yeah, well, that's something we should touch on. There this film, because of the very nature of it, there was just it was open season on on lawsuits after this film came out because it was a huge hit, and I think I think in essence you know not not that people didn't have legitimate grievances with their involvement in the film but i think 90% of it was this film is a huge hit making millions and millions and millions of dollars i'm not seeing any of it which i, I also think is a,
1: i think is a bit of a, a out of order because if you are making millions of someone else then uh, the, the, so the one I wanted to sort of bring up as an example was the driving instructor who I think yeah. comes out of it perfectly well he comes out really you know, well he handles, yeah, he,
0: he, he handles he, he it he really well and professionally he's a polite pleasant man from start to finish in the interview he pulls Borat up on some of his misogyny yeah. look there is a woman in a car can we follow her uh, and maybe make a sexy time with her no 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 why not
2: because a woman has a right To choose who she has sex with.
0: What? How about that? Isn't that amazing? There must be consent. I like you. Do you like me? I do like you. You are my friend? You're a nice young man and I am your friend. You will be my boyfriend. Uh, Yeah, I won't be your boyfriend. Why not? You don't like me. Yeah, I can be. No boyfriend, yeah, I can. Yeah, he, he, he comes out of this really well, but he is one of several people who did pursue legal action um, yeah, after the and, film came
1: and to be like, from what I've read, none of these suits really came to anything ultimately. But that guy, like, for example, okay, why did he sue? I don't know. But he comes out of it well. But ultimately, you, like you say, he just took $500 to do a thing on camera for a day, and then suddenly your face is being used in advertisements for it. Uh, and, you know, you it, all this sort of stuff. And you've just signed a piece of paper, and obviously they wrote it well enough that they had legal permission to do that. But it's it's misrepresenting what you're doing. It's definitely unethical. And yeah. uh, I, I'm I not mean, saying I, that's I... a huge crime, but, you know, but also like that guy, ha, like how often, how many times does that guy come to a driving lesson and the guy's gone, oh, you'll teach my wife to drive, nice. <laughs> and he's like, For f- like, how many times would that have to happen before you just was like... I'm gonna to have to quit my day job now because it's just like is...
0: <laughs> I mean, I'm sure he got that for a year. I doubt he gets it. Well
1: that's that when all. he put the lawsuit in. Oh, right. And, <laughs> and frankly, I can't really blame him. But that's the problem. You're, like, you're suddenly part of a huge cultural thing that you didn't mm-hmm. you wouldn't have chosen to be well, part
0: of, really. You know, to give the to give the filmmakers some benefit of the doubt here. I don't think anyone involved in this film expected it to be the the yeah, yeah, blockbuster yeah, yeah, success story it was. I think they were expecting it to come out, make a bit of money, maybe get, you know, become a kind of cult thing. Borat was this surprise breakout hit. And I, I think that is, if anything, testament to the quality of the film. Yeah just just how innovative and fresh and funny i suppose it is yeah and and you know I, i we've said it there this film really i think for most people came out of nowhere and just was this incredible success story and i was i was in quite a unique position i think in that i really was following the production of it and was very interested did you know alan Uh, the original director of this film was Todd Phillips. Uh, Yes, I did read that. I don't know anything above that he dropped out after the rodeo. Yeah, he dropped out because he got scared. (laughs) He got scared because he got some death threats because he was was playing with society. And he went away and he stewed over it for 15 years. (laughs) And then he showed society what's what when he made joker in todd phillips crap i'd be very interested to know what how much of this film was his doing compared to larry charles who is the credited director he does have a story credit on the film ultimately Mm. uh with some other people but um yeah i think it you know it really has to be said i i think borat is remarkably well directed as you say it's shot nicely the music throughout great but there's there's an obvious eye for detail do you know what i mean they, they they do such a good job of just creating this this narrative around everything that's happening and and making it a, a world you want to spend time in and and it's just
1: there's a couple there was a couple of small details that jumped out at me as like that okay that was a good the first first thing was when they when they meet back up, uh, so Borat meets back up with his producer um, Azamat. Is that his name? Yes. In L.A., and they go to his flat, and he just opens a <laughs> fridge to get something out, and you see the bear's <laughs> head in there. And they, he didn't feel the need to go and do a close or anything; they just let it be what oh, it was.
0: I like that. Such a great visual. Didn't call. There. Yeah, I mean, I, call back to it at any I, point just to throw. Away I went thing. to see this film at least twice in the cinema. Right. And I, that was one of the biggest laughs both times. So you know, it's 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 nice when when you give the audience the um, benefit of the doubt and don't talk down to them, and then it actually pays off. And- yeah like you were right to not underestimate them for once and the, uh, the other
1: bit that yeah. just jumped out at me as a nice moment was uh you know he's got a he's got a chicken in a bag basically for most of the time and then at some <laughs> and then you forget about that and then at some point because he's angry and frustrated he throws his bag on the floor and they just put a chicken sort of sound effect on it. <laughs> <laughs> again they just leave it at this one little moment but it, that that really mm-hmm. made me laugh
0: well, then the chicken comes back as well. You know, we, we've spoken about the save the cat, pet the cat moment in screenwriting. And there's a very clear effort in this film to give Borat his um, his low point yeah. in the film where we're meant to really feel for him. And they, they give him a, a, a don't kill the chicken moment <laughs> where you're really meant to think like, okay, this might be a, a guy who's been expressing hideously bigoted views throughout the film, but... At the core of it, he doesn't seem like a bad person. He's just perhaps ignorant of certain things. and that's from a different culture. I think that's really important. That's why you can kind of root for this character and be on his side. And I, I think that's something, without wanting to jump too far ahead, I, I think that's something that gets lost in Bruno. It doesn't yeah. really play in the same way. The character is just less lovable. Um, yeah, okay, yeah. Anyway, I mean, the the plot here is essentially he's in New York, he finds out that there's this woman Pamela Anderson, uh, he's in love with her, so he has to travel to to Malibu, or is it Los it's Angeles? Because he's told that's yeah. where she lives. So essentially, it's just a setup for a road movie, a good old classic road trip comedy. But then the idea is also his producers There, well, we need to film stuff on the way
1: of American life. Yeah,
0: to justify to our bosses what we're doing and keep the money flowing. So they go to get a car to drive across the... And again, the perfect example of, this is a guy who comes off very badly. (laughs) This car salesman where, you know, Borat is asking him questions like, to drive... He basically says which car is going to be best to drive into a a crowd of jews and kill them yeah and the the guy just looks at him and sort of goes probably a hummer <laughs> yeah like not not even phase just selling a car
1: that's a good example of something we see a lot in this and and something we see more in bruno actually in which people know they're being filmed there's no apart from a bit in the uh, new york montage where they're on a subway um there's no kind of hidden camera element to this People might not know what they're being filmed for, but they know they're being filmed. So, at what point in that, when someone, I, I don't, I don't. Even if you are, but
0: well, I mean, look, I, I've done obviously nothing close to this scale, but you know, I, I, um, I, I went out and did some filming for uh, British Muslim TV once, mm-hmm. where what was it? They they were going around on the streets of Wakefield, and they normally had a very clearly Muslim presenter uh, wearing a hijab on this show but for for this one segment we got the blonde uh caucasian receptionist <laughs> to come and do a bit of filming and so she was asking people on the streets of Wakefield you know do you think muslims should be banned from the uk do you think what you know do you think muslims should uh we should be bombing <laughs> muslim like just i mean nothing nothing that extreme but it was basically those kinds of questions yeah and you would be amazed at how little coercion no coercion was necessary they were all the, the amount of people who would come on and go yeah bomb them bomb them all and then would sign a release form that clearly said at the top of the letterhead british muslim tv <laughs> like didn't didn't hide it because we, we kind of made the ethical decision of, well, we're not going to mislead them with regards to what we're filming, like, beyond just not having a Muslim presenter ask the question. Yeah. Um, and, yeah, honestly, you would be amazed. Um, uh, the, the bigotry <laughs> uncovered within the space of 15 minutes. Um, <laughs> well, I grew up in Wakefield, so I don't think i be that amazed.
1: <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> to be honest. <laughs>
0: and And, I mean, maybe that's just they don't, Care who knows what they think, but I, I guess my point is I don't. I think with a lot of people, it it doesn't really matter if they're being filmed or not. They just they are who they are and they don't give a shit.
1: Well, it, it's it particularly struck me when I was watching a bit of Who Is America earlier, and they do this whole they do this thing where they get a community and and they go, oh, "We're going to build a massive mosque in your town," and they're obviously all outraged because it's this kind of backwater in Midwest or whatever. Yeah, yeah, and. And like one of them just straight up says, look, I'm a racist. I don't want no Muslims around here. It's just like, I don't know. <laughs> like, like I say, there's no hidden camera element here. They know they're being filmed regardless of what they think they're being filmed for. And I I think, obviously, it's a cultural thing there. And they live in a place where that's a perfectly fine thing to say. Um, yeah. And even within the bigger cultural sphere of America, they apparently do not
0: have the outer influence of saying, well, that's not something we do. Yeah. There's a very clear-cut rule, I think, in comedy that you you don't punch down, yeah. you punch up. And I suppose what what is perhaps a bit maybe leaves a slightly unpleasant taste in the mouth here is there is an argument to be made that at times Borat and Bruno punch down with their comedy in that they are they're exposing bigotry, which is you know punching up. They're they're exposing bigotry from you know the oppressors white people but they are ultimately going after uh, working class poorly educated kind of people who don't necessarily know any better at times there is an argument to be said for that being punching down
1: but there's to bring it back to borat there's
0: a there's a scene here where he goes
1: to the rodeo and and the guy is sort of talking to him and just basically says to him like look You look a bit too uh, Muslim, basically, whatever that means. Yeah. You know, because of the
0: mustache. Get rid of the mustache. You could perhaps pass as an Italian. Of course,
2: every picture that we get back from the terrorists or uh, anything else, the Muslims, they look like you. Black hair and black mustache. Yes. Shave that that gum mustache off so you're not so conspicuous. So you look like maybe an Italian or something, as far as from people looking at you. I see a lot of people, and I think there's a dadgum Muslim Wonder what kind of bomb he's got strapped to him. Yes. And you probably aren't a Muslim. Maybe that's not
0: your religion. No, I am a Kazakh, I follow the hawk. But you look like...
1: (laughs) <laughs> it's but the 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 whole that's that like it doesn't even begin to make sense as a as an ideology right if, even if you yeah, even yeah. if you tried to make it work but like i just thought oh you know that's just some redneck he's the guy who owns the rodeo it travels around the country well i guess certain parts of the country like he was the oh he's your classic he was the guy rich who owned Texan it. yeah he's you know? like so he's the one who's gonna hire and fire people. The fact that he's a kind of open bigot is, yeah and well a, well, nice well
0: you know much 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 worse than that. He's openly in favor of hanging gay people for being gay. I mean I don't think anything scratches the tip of the iceberg of that. in this that might be the worst thing in this film.
2: The people that do the kissing over here are the ones that float around like that. Are they all alone? Yeah,
0: stay away from them to kiss. Okay. You don't want to know about kissing. In my country, yeah. they uh, take them and they take them to jail and finish take them. Take them out and hang them. Yes. But we're
2: trying to get done here. High five. Thank you.
0: I mean, who's trying to get that law passed in America now? Oh, God. Ah, oh, dear. But but it's hard to care too much because Borat is so laugh a minute funny. If you ask me, it is yeah. just. I mean, we, we've we've covered comedies before. I've I've expressed how unfunny I find the Big Lebowski on a recent episode. Y- you want an insight into my sense of humor? This is. <laughs> I don't know what the funniest film ever made is, in my opinion. I have no idea, but this is a definite contender. I would struggle to name <laughs> you, a funny. You do film.
1: like mean-spirited comedy, though. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I do. Yeah.
0: <laughs> uh, yeah, but but I mean, it, it is funny, though, right? That's not just me. This is a really funny film. Well, that's it. I remember watching it the first time and being like completely, uh, yeah,
1: blown out by it. It was just like, hilarious. Yeah, funny. yeah.
0: I I remember being in pain <laughs> in the cinema. From from laughter, like I is is an experience I've not had often in a cinema. Like being that won over by a film's humor to the point that I'm like getting a full workout <laughs> <laughs> sat in the screen. Yeah. Um. Anyway, so he falls out with Azamat. Azamat runs away. Essentially, leaves him high and dry with um. he leaves him with just the chicken and the Baywatch magazine. Is that it? Mm, and a plane. And nothing get- else. And a plane ticket back home. Borat then finds a, a load of, um, for lack of a better phrase, mental christians <laughs> in, in an American phrase. church.
1: Okay, right. This is when does he meet the frat boys? That's just before that, isn't it?
0: Because uh, he's on yes, his own just by that before, point, before yeah. that. Yeah, because that's where he learns that Pamela Anderson isn't a virgin. <laughs> <and> <laughs> yeah, slept sexy. with other men. <laughs> but that's it. This is. This this
1: is the low point for Borat in the film, but also it was a low point for me because you go from the frat boys to the religious nutters and it's like the two kind of worst groups of people. Like we've seen racists, <laughs> bigots, homophobes, but these are the ones that I just like I have no sympathy for. I would happily watch them die in a fire.
0: Those wait, wait <laughs> which ones, the frat boys? All of them. The frat boys. And All then the, Well, the, the frat people. boys, I mean again what you were saying, like actors. You couldn't get actors to behave this way Like, I'm not a big fan of the phrase You couldn't write it (laughs) But you couldn't write Some of the frat boy behaviour Because it wouldn't be believable (laughs) It would be bad writing There's a bit where One of them talks about, you know Sleeping with women and not calling them Like making a joke of it Uh, Like the bitches out there In the uh, fucking uh, old Russia There? Well, oh, the bitches the, in old Russia. It's a fucking hose, baby. You fucking girls. You <laughs> fuck the shit out of them. Uh, yeah, and then you never call them again. Why you don't call them? Because they do not have a telephone, yes? And then Borat says, Because you don't have a phone. Ha 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 ha. There's only one phone in the village or whatever. Like, not the joke being he doesn't get it. And that's, you know, funny enough. But then the guy sort of tries to explain it. And he literally says, I wrote down the quote. <laughs> No, because they don't have my respect, you know? He has to spell out his sexism <laughs> and misogyny because insinuating it wasn't enough. And and the fascinating thing with that to me is that shows a conscious like awareness of his misogyny. And it's just fascinating to me that that is how that guy chooses to explain his joke to Borat. And it makes me agree with you that, it, that he's a just heinous... <laughs> unlikable person yeah. with, you know, as presented in the film, no real redeeming features. Um, and, you know, I'm sure in real life these people are fully-fledged, uh, fully-fleshed out three-dimensional beings, and they have good and bad about them, but it's a very unpleasant side of humanity that you get to see from them. In this well, movie. this is it, right? Those those frat boys,
1: I mean, in, in the context of this film, they're performing... They know they're being filmed and it's they've obviously been told, you know, like we want to give this guy what it's like to be a frat boy. Let's get drunk and just, you know, just have a laugh with him or whatever they've said yeah, to and, them. and they
0: are performing. And right, obviously they're, they're performing.
1: Per- but, but the thing that really makes me hate them is that they're performing in the way that drunk people perform. This isn't just because this person's there. This is how they they perform and overreact to stuff when they're drunk. And it's what yeah. I Yeah, Alan,
0: don't you ever, don't you ever, ever let a woman... <laughs> Make you who you are. It's <laughs> another exact quote from the film. This is why i- p- think I particularly hate them.
1: It's because this is what I see whenever I see drunk people people <laughs> who using their their drinking problems and the effects that drink can have as an excuse to behave in a way that they know
0: is not acceptable well i i, I do though i I think you know I think there's I think some people are better drunks than others, oh, of course yeah um. Not to not to toot our own horn, but, you know, I think Calvin Dyson <laughs> is a very pleasant drunk to be around. I think I'm a relatively decent drunk. I don't get too... I, I don't think... I think I'm already quite obnoxious to begin yeah, with. Yeah, so yeah, I, I mean, you're a terrible makes person me anyway. me any worse. So <laughs> <laughs> exactly. I don't think alcohol really makes me any worse. But I know what you mean. There's certain people where they get drunk and it's like, well, you fuck off. Like the These drunk frat boys,
1: basically my point is that I would hate them. Even if they weren't bigoted. <laughs> <Even> if-
0: <laughs> <laughs> that is fair, that is fair. I, I I think what's really noticeable with those guys is they're all loathsome. Every last one of them. <laughs> and when you start watching it, you kind of think, Well this guy's not so bad. Sat at the back here, he's not being obnoxious. And then he says something that's <laughs> like, Oh no, there we go. Our country, the minorities actually have more power. And they all have their turns saying something that just makes you hate them. I mean, that's true of a lot of people in Borat. It's not just these guys. They're, there's a lot of, you know, they're not the worst person in the film. <laughs> um, who do you think is the worst person in the film? I think it is the rich Texan we were talking about who wants to hang gay people. My
1: immediate thought goes to the religious leaders, the kind of evangelical, um, evangelical pastors or whatever. But
0: they they're 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 fucking idiots, and they're probably concealing some bigotry. But I think they're probably, you know, they're nice to Borat. There's an argument to be said that they're grooming him, but um, yeah, I mean, they're they're
1: preaching and they're just preaching their usual. I mean, I don't, like that's their every day. And they take advantage of people, and they, but not only take advantage of people, but spread their message
0: very wide. Yeah, and per- perpetuate nonsense about like complete and utter misunderstanding of how evolution works. No, I didn't evolve out of a monkey. I didn't used to be a tadpole. I is what I is.
1: But the thing is, those the the sort of idiots in the crowd, they're idiots. But the people up on the stage, they know exactly what they're doing. They know what they're saying is a lie. And yeah, they know why was... they're lying to to make money, essentially,
0: and or power or whatever it is. It, it, well, it I, I I can believe a lot of them do believe in God. I don't <laughs> think they're like secret atheists <laughs> running around.
1: Maybe not, but
0: they obviously don't care what God thinks of them. Yeah, yeah, but I mean, you'll find that a lot. Uh, he he then takes a bus with the churchgoers to L.A. where he meets his producer Asmat. Dressed as Oliver Hardy <laughs> outside the historic <laughs> Chinese theatre,
1: I re- what I really liked about this scene where he comes across Azamat again is that Azamat is doing the Oliver Hardy like mannerisms while they're arguing. Uh, I know, yeah, like, it's great, it's beautiful, it? it's really and good. he does it really well as well. It's not just kind of yeah, thrown yeah, in; yeah, it feels yeah. like
0: it's practiced. it I think his performance in this film is is one... I think all the main cast, him, you know, you've got Sacha Baron Cohen there as Borat, you've got Lunel <laughs> as Lunel, and you've got Ken Davitian... Davitian? Davitian, Davitian as Azamat, his producer. And I think all three of them turn in really, really good... Yeah. I mean, for what they're doing, they're pretty much perfect performances. You, you know, faultless, but obviously they're not... They're not doing heavy drama.
1: Hmm.
0: Also of note in the film is Pamela Anderson making a, a sort of cameo as as herself.
1: Which, to, to be perfectly honest, given that she you know she's she's in on it, I think she does good a very good job. <laughs> like, it's like it is something you could overact, I suppose. I think she does. Yeah, yeah, she, yeah. she seems she, surprised she
0: by what's happening, and okay, it's not like she has to do a lot, but she does it well. well. Well, yeah, but no, you're right. The way she awkwardly humors this guy, even her reaction of the guy saying, you know, Borat says, "Will you marry me?" And she sort of goes, uh, no thanks, and <laughs> smiles. And, yeah. you know, to be fair, that's probably because she gets asked that time. five times a day <laughs> <laughs> at these signings by random creeps so she knows how to respond to it. But, it, it's a yeah, it's a genuine reaction, you know, it, it's it's good. I mean, while we're talking about the talent on the film, we've talked about Larry Charles, director, we've talked about the coward Todd Phillips, uh, <laughs> who ran away to make a uh, a film about a clown uh, off the back of being too scared to stand up to the system, making Borat.
1: What are you hoping to achieve by this line? you <laughs> <laughs> think he's going to come I, after us?
0: Yeah. Fight me, Todd Phillips. He's Felix. starting with Todd Phillips. I'm not starting but I I am challenging Todd Phillips now to a charity boxing match. <laughs> but no we 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 have here a very interesting set of credits for like a real comedy nerd. Um, obviously you have Sasha Baron Cohen and Dan Mazer as credited writers, obviously. And
1: Dan Mazer comes from the 11 o'clock show days,
0: uh, somewhere along the lines. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We spoke about him last week. He's, you know, one of the credited writers running through all of this stuff that Baron Cohen's been doing. Did you know he's, um, he's married
1: to Daisy Donovan,
0: who was the oh presenter really?
1: on the, uh, 11 o'clock show. Just a sort of odd I bit know that. of trivia I found on my reading there. <laughs> The 11 o'clock show is a breeding ground for uh, this man's social life.
0: <laughs> we also have Anthony Hines, um, who's a credited writer, who was also one of the writers on the 11 o'clock show, so much the same thing. So they obviously, like, have
1: just they've come, come up together, mm. all of them, and they obviously enjoy working
0: together. Yeah, but we also, very interestingly, have Peter Bainham. <laughs> yes, Oscar the nominee Peter Bainham. Oscar nominated... <laughs> the bloke off uh, the Pot Noodle adverts. <laughs> the- <laughs> Hot noodle, too gorgeous to be fussy food. Oscar-nominated writer, one of the one of the like originating brains behind um, Alan Partridge, mm-hmm. I suppose. He, you know, he, a lot of very impressive yeah, British sort of comedy credits. Awesome. Yeah. Um. So not not content to nominate Borat for anything that would make sense, lead actor, editing, music. Uh, they they went with screenplay. But you know that still says that that still shows that this was a legitimate Oscar buzz movie. That the screenplay category is where they chuck a film a bone that mm. didn't get in anywhere else. That's where Logan got nominated. And, he did you
1: know, win the and, Golden
0: Globe for the acting. Yeah, well, that's because they do that's they do for comedy, a comedy and dramatic yeah, category uh, yeah. awards separately. Yeah, but
1: yeah, I mean, it does say a lot that it was getting that kind of. Attention! It certainly wasn't made to get that
0: kind of attention,
1: but <laughs> they yeah. weren't
0: expecting that when they put it together. Anyway, I love Borat. I think it's a truly like remarkable film. If if only because it's a it's a real game changer. Like I I can't think of a film in my lifetime that has been so innovative and unique and unlike films before it. Mm-hmm. I, I truly can't think of it. I'm sure there is one or two out there, but I just, I can't think of another film that has been that much like, wow, I've never seen anything like this. I've never seen anything like it. Truly great film. And I mean, I'm going to transition into a rating here. Yeah. Are you ready for this, Alan? Uh, yeah, go on. <laughs> 10 out of 10.
1: <laughs> yeah, that's not surprising, given what you've said. I, I, I think there's, I mean, it's pretty obvious what we say. I think the film's very well made, and I think it's very funny, but definitely in this last watching compared to whatever the last time I watched previously was, um, I, I, th- I guess, it, I don't know if it's my attitude that has shifted slightly, but I definitely sort of see this on a level that taints it slightly. I, I don't know exactly how, how directly that affects my enjoyment of the film, but yeah, I, I think it, it, there's, there's something about it that make, that sits badly with me now in terms of the way it treats the people that it deals with. Um, anyway, the point of that, I guess, is that I gave it an eight out of ten. Fair. And that is a drop down from what I previously rated it as. So. Yeah. But I think that comes into play even more in the follow up, which is Bruno, a kind of indirectly a follow up, if you know what I mean.
0: Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I, I have no, I have no problem thinking of Bruno as a sequel to Borat. <laughs> Yeah, I, I think in all for all intents and purposes, it is. It was obvious they could never make a direct sequel to Borat, but there, you know, it made so much money. There was an obvious appetite for it. I, I know at the time they were there was talk of um, doing a follow-up, a scripted movie, Ali G style with Borat, which you know would have been the the other obvious way to go. I think there's scope for that. I think there's a realistic way to make that work, but yeah. Would it be uh, that good? <laughs> you'd have to hire. You'd have to hire writers in other than Sasha Baron Cohen. <laughs> he would let. I don't think he would let people do it without his involvement. Yeah. and therefore it, it would it, just be crap.
1: And definitely, at some point, Borat would wank off an animal. That would be a. <laughs> seems to be a go-to thing yeah. for Sasha Baron Cohen.
0: Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I think you're right. I think that's very fair. So yeah, Bruno
1: was also a character that was introduced in. Uh, that Ali G show, uh, the second series.
0: As I sort of said at the start, I think Bruno was always the least favourite. I don't think people really were that into Bruno when I was younger. And I don't know, I, I, it's weird, because I, I go back and watch it now. Bruno's funny. I mean, I think, it's, I think it's perhaps just a bit slower. Like, first of all, he's not as obviously comedic, just up front. Mm-hmm. Ali G and Borat are there, like with really silly ways of talking. They say obviously stupid stuff. Bruno's a bit more, dare I say, subtle.
1: I knew knew you were reaching for a
0: word that wasn't subtle, because that just
1: sounds so out of place. But yeah, I know exactly what you mean. Yeah.
0: And it's, you know, it's a bit more slow, like, Ali G will just say something ridiculous for a rise, and it's funny, or he'll misunderstand something. Most of Bruno's humour is, like, slowly over the course of, like, three minutes which is quite a lot of a long bit of screen time for a segment on a show like this working someone in an interview to just kind of expose how moronic they are. <laughs> you know there there's a great clip on one of the the episodes of the allergy show where he's just asking this guy back and forth and it's edited. He obviously wasn't asking the questions back and forth, but over the course of the interview he would ask him like how did you manage to keep your show you know, I'll do the voice for this one. How did you manage to keep the show so so light? It was like air, it was like a feather. It was just like a weight off you. It was great. And and the guy's like, "Oh, well, you know, you know, we keep it very very fun and entertaining and you don't want to be too serious." And then it'll cut to him being like, "So, what really struck me was just how powerful and how how heavy the show was. <laughs> just how it like just wore you down." And the guy's like, "Well, you know, it's it, uh heavy, important subjects. You want to give him the time of day. And and he's just going forth, you know. I, I was struck by how humorless the show was. How there was just... It was so serious. Well, you know, we've got we to gotta treat the things we're talking about with respect. And what was great with the show was, like, the sense of humor. You know, the fact you managed to get some jokes in there, keep it light. Well, you know, just... and And, and the guy's agreeing with him going along. And then at the end he just says, do you think consistency is important? <laughs> and the guy looks at him and then just says, no. <laughs> and it's brilliant. It's fucking fantastic. And, it, it you know, it's funny and it's punching up and it's exposing just the vapid stupidity that goes on in this fashion world. But I think part of the problem
1: with that is that he's exposing the vapidness of the fashion world. It's like, well... I don't know if there's any exposing going on there. Surely that's kind of well-known. And also, it doesn't matter. Like, they don't care. Yeah. So like it's not like they're
0: embarrassed by the exposure either. Yeah, and it's ultimately harmless, for the most part. I mean, there's an argument to be made that it isn't with sweatshops and things like that. But but in the grand scheme of things, the world of fashion is not... It's not a target to go after in the same way that racism is or homophobia is. Um, now Bruno, I think Bruno was very much viewed, or is very much viewed as the, the disappointing follow-up, the, the kind of failed sequel to Borat. Borat has 7.3 on IMDb currently, uh, but for comparison, Bruno has 5.8, which mm. is not considered a good score. And I remember at the time, you know, I think no one liked it. <laughs> I I mean, I guess this is it. This is my big controversial moment. I like Bruno. (laughs) Not only do I like Bruno, I think it's a legitimately good film. Like, this isn't just my guilty pleasure, like, with Ali G. This is... I think it's legitimately good. And I've been trying to figure out what people dislike so much about it. And I hate to say it, but I think a big part of it is just people don't want to watch gay shit, you know? I think <laughs> middle America has a problem. Like, the the broad mainstream audiences out there are far less interested in watching a gay guy than they are a silly foreign man running around being sexist and racist. I, d- I don't know. It's. Do you have any thoughts on this front, Alan? I mean, do, do you like Bruno broadly, or do you think it's... Uh... Bad film, as many. No, no.
1: I think it's a worthy successor to Borat. I would mm. say it's not as good, and definitely there's elements that we'll probably come to, but I think
0: it's ultimately doing the same thing to a good level. I, I think, I think what we, what we didn't get to with Borat just now is, I think Borat is as far, as far as making a film adaptation of Borat goes, it's perfect. I do not think you could make a better Borat movie. And I think that's why I think so so well of it. And Bruno, I think, is inherently a weaker character than Borat. That's not to say he's bad. But I think, honestly, I think Bruno is as good a Bruno movie as you could possibly make. <laughs> I think it reaches yeah. the character's full potential. Yeah, And it's just that ultimately... It's not as fun a world to play in, you Perhaps, know? The aesthetics yeah. aren't as fun. It, the music isn't as charming. The character's less inherently likable, because he's ultimately... He's not this comic buffoon in quite the same way. You get the sense that he's more intelligent. When he is openly racist, it it feels more um, unpleasant. Because it's evoking like nuts, but it also I guess, feels rather like with than...
1: Borat, it comes from a place of ignorance, like you said earlier.
0: Exactly, yeah. Whereas with Bruno, it's it doesn't. <laughs> if... On the certainly on the TV show, I think you get the sense he's maybe a bit more of an idiot in the film, but certainly in the TV show, yeah, Bruno doesn't come across like a complete moron. He just comes a, a, across like part of the fashion industry, which is not quite the same thing, you know? But well, I think what you what you were saying there about Bruno not having the
1: kind of same mainstream appeal, which you're, you're sort of putting down to the gayness there, which I think you're probably I think on that's the right part lines there. But yeah, but it, I think it's something we touched on with Ali G a little bit, but we didn't really talk about with Borat in the that mainstream appeal, that this was watched by, you know, eight-year-olds up to, you know, your grandma and, and kind of has things that appeal kind of the whole range there as opposed to the, just the kind of the normal demographic of like 18 to 35 or whatever. It's it's kind of like when South Park went big in the 90s, it was like yeah. you got eight-year-old kids wearing a South Park T-shirt on, and and that's kind of what happened and with And you've LAG. got
0: 40-year-old yeah. men wearing South Park T-shirts concurrently, yeah. But that's
1: exactly, what happened with yeah. Borat as well. You know, everybody was like, ah, oh, you're my wife, nice. All that bullshit, the kind of mainstream bullshit that comes along with people who actually like the film... And yeah, Bruno does completely. not have that appeal because a fourteen year old boy doesn't want to go into school and do an impression of Bruno.
0: Yeah, and he and he, he's gonna feel uncomfortable watching two like gay men having a, a bondage mishap <laughs> in a way that, you know although although Borat has a n- infamous naked wrestling sequence with Azmat, it's not sexual. Do you know what I mean? The joke is haha, they're they're naked and it's funny. Yeah. Whereas, you know, Bruno asks you, I think very clearly, it asks you to be comfortable with your sexuality to the point that you can watch a a man's penis swinging around (laughs) and you just see it for the humour in the scene rather than, oh, a dick. It's a very anti-homophobia film. It's a very, like, you know, it plays up a lot of gay stereotypes, but it ultimately... As an audience goer, you have to be completely okay with gay people for it to work. I think. Uh, yeah, I mean, there's a love story at the th- in the heart of it that that is. Yeah, uh, yeah, oh, the emotional core of it is a gay loves st- a gay romance, which it plays as well as the romantic sub. Well, the romantic story at the heart of Borat, you know, it's a, it's a very superficial story that doesn't get very deep. But and the general idea
1: is that what Bruno has learned not just love, but it's to kind of. Hmm. Not be as superficial, not to look past kind of like the the uh, what he normally would be looking for. Yeah. So yeah, there's a character growth there as well as just a love story.
0: Now another reason I don't think Bruno works as well. I don't think Sacha Baron Cohen is as comfortable in this role. And I don't think this character is as well defined as Borat or Ali mm-hmm. G. We yeah. we kind of complained uh, that Ali G changed his character base. Like in the film, he's not quite the same guy that we knew totally on the TV I mean, show. Yeah. It feels like different, and and I think that's true of Bruno as well. Because to be fair, on, on the TV show, Bruno would change on a you know the drop at the drop of a hat because it was all about. You've got a gay fashionista, well, what what funny stuff can we get out of that? He's going to be a predatory gay uh, uh, trying to come on to these... Redneck characters here, but now he's gonna be. We're gonna play up this kind of Nazi angle, or mm. we're gonna, we're gonna. But now he's gonna be actually quite liberal, left wing, because he's dealing with different circles and trying to expose different things. It, well, that, I it's think that's very the inconsistent. Of, and,
1: it, by making him gay, it kind of automatically has a liberal, left wing feel to it. But then having him have right wing ideal it means you can kind of play both sides when you want it to. Yeah, yeah. But also yeah. like. In the TV show, like if you've got a gay fashionista character in the fashion world and kind of interacting with people in that world, the fact that he's gay is completely irrelevant. <laughs> like that's not yeah. going to have any effect. Yeah, he's,
0: he's less extreme than half the people he's interviewing. I think that's <laughs> yeah, exactly why yeah. Bruno's different. And, <laughs> and I, I don't know if you've ever seen again. Bruno is a character who Sasha Baron Cohen was working on for a long while. They they only introduced him properly in. Uh, Ali G and the USI, season two of mm-hmm. The Ali G Show, um, when they felt like adding a, a third character into the mix, I guess. Uh, but you can look up, there is there is a, at least one bit of video evidence of him from, I think, when he was on the Paramount Comedy channel that I mentioned last week, interviewing a load of skinheads, British skinheads, at uh, some festival. Oh, yes, festivals. I have seen that, yeah. Yeah, and I, and I, I mean, it's very good, you know, it, it, the characters there doing what he does, but he's just going up to, yeah, Nazis, openly racist Nazis, and they're kind of on board with him, because he's, he sounds German, and (laughs) they're all okay with that. And then it will like cop to being gay and they're just like... Yeah, it's
1: like right at the end he goes, okay, do a shout out to the camera, say, we're, we're, you're watching <laughs> so-and-so channel, Austria's top gay TV Yeah, show. he, he <laughs> says, like, what? what
0: do you have to say to Austria Austria's gay community? And the guy just looks at him and goes, <laughs> Fucking what? a message Austria's gay community? Yeah, don't
1: be fucking gay. Okay, great. <laughs>
0: And I mean, one of the finest moments in all of the TV series, the Ali G show, was um, when he spends, it seems like, hours edited down with a load of frat boys at spring break, getting them to do this increasingly over-the-top shout-out, like shouting, P-A-R-T-Y, party! And like jumping off their, their minivan and just going crazy. And and like wrestling with them and so on and then again the same exact punchline at the end just say hello this is jim hello this is jim and wow! i'm sending saying hi and i saying hi Send Hi from daytona beach florida to austria wow! to austria gay tv See what austria gay tv yeah need gay tv well fuck out of here you said gay tv Jim. yeah no, no, we need gay TV. There's no fucking gay TV involved in this. Oh no, is... involved in gay TV. This is a gay show. They're, but they're like, they're like furious, <laughs> and it's like, well, what does it fucking matter? Like, <laughs> it'd be one thing if he'd been trying to get like a kind of getting them to kind of sell themselves in a sexual capacity because they thought women might be watching. But they're not, you know? It's like, it's... ah, I don't know. It's just... It's sad, isn't it? And, And this film, I wasn't expecting it to be as funny as it was. I was expecting it to be as funny as the TV show, which is still very funny when it does Bruno stuff. But I think the film is, like, funnier than most of that. And I think it just speaks to them having, like I say, honed their craft so well and knowing exactly what they're doing with it and probably just filming hundreds and hundreds of hours of footage that they can then yeah. edit down into, you know, such a tight 80, 81 minutes, this film is. I mean, yeah. It, it, I I I looked at the reviews earlier and, and this film actually wasn't hated by critics. It, it's got like a 60-something percent on Rotten Tomatoes, which is a fresh score, just about. But I had a look at some of the negative reviews, and they were along the lines of, it's all so obvious, and the targets are too easy, and just obvious choices. And I thought, well, hang on. Are they? And I don't think that's true at all. Like, at what point, when they said we're making this film about a gay fashionista... Was anyone expecting him to wage his way into the Israel-Palestine conflict? <laughs> or or to take on, you know, a spirit medium? Or, like, yeah, he goes after some... Ob- like, the film would be a failure if it didn't go after homophobia yeah. more blatantly than other things. But there's some, like, bizarre stuff in here that comes so out of left field, and I love it for it. But yeah, I mean... Ultimately, I think this film is is just hilarious and 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 suitably big and cinematic in scope. Again, mm. the the it, it's more it more kind of car crashes its way into a third act climax. It's not quite as organic as Borat the the lead into the big gay wrestling scene at the end. But I mean, when you when you hear about how they filmed that, do you know about all this, Alan? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, where they filmed, so for anyone who hasn't seen the film, it ultimately ends with Bruno deciding that he no longer wants to be gay, so he he goes to like a pray the gay away kind of guy for help and things like that. And he ultimately reinvents himself as a wrestler called Straight Dave, (laughs) and they put on a big cage match event. And there's a load of, like, people you'd expect to be at an American Cage match (laughs) event for someone called Straight Dave. Um, And and it is just unreal. He comes out and he says things like, I'm 100% hetero, straight pride, straight pride. And people are, like, cheering, like, really getting into it. Straight pride, straight pride. And then, you know, Lutz, his um, romantic interest that he kind of shunned earlier, but... There was obviously a bit of something between them. Calls them out as a gay man. They have a fight in the ring. It, it, it plays very much like, you know, a bit of classic WWE. So you can see how the audience are going along with it. And then partway through the fight, they just start kissing. And, and <laughs> uh, obviously they don't start actually having sex, but it's certainly getting towards that <laughs> yeah, territory. Towards but, it, yeah. but the crowd reaction is unreal. It is just... They lose their fucking minds. And it's, you know, I I think... I think they anticipated people being angry. But there's a man in tears. There's a man watching it who is crying. And obviously not, like, tears of joy. Like, wow, how great they can express themselves. It's something about watching two men kiss is making him cry with distress. It It is just insane. But yeah, when they filmed this, they they underestimated the crowd's um, ability to overreact <sighs> and be upset, and the whole thing had to be kind of called off partway through, so they could get Sasha Baron Cohen to safety <laughs> without being killed. <laughs> I think they started throwing chairs, and they had to basically overnight, essentially put up put together another cage match in a neighboring town. Before word spread of what they were doing, put on this huge, I think it was a free event with like, you know, plenty of alcohol and what have you going. But this time with the chairs like wired to the floor <laughs> so people can't throw them. And a guy still manages to break one of them free and throw it <laughs> oh, yeah. and nearly hit Sasha Baron Cohen in the head with a fucking oh, chair. Oh, yeah, it's inches away. And but... you see his reaction when it comes over like, oh, <laughs> um, this is a remarkable. Both of these films are a remarkable documentation of the human condition and just what what the fuck is humanity?
1: Yeah, I think that's why I kind of always feel faintly depressed about the whole thing of twins. I think yeah, it's sort of the bad taste of that.
0: Well, I think this one has more of that. I think this one's more depressing on that yeah. level, which again is perhaps partly why it's not as popular. Yeah, I think that's possibly the case because there's there's bits of this film
1: that. Don't have that feel to it. Like there's, there's a whole bit where he, oh god, yeah, basically adopts a, an African baby, and uh, uh, and there's a, a where he goes on a chat show and just talk about how he just sort of swapped this baby for an iPod or whatever it was. And then and like the crowd are kind of, I, I really like this thing because he's the bad guy, and I think I prefer that generally.
0: Yeah, um, yeah the crowd are yeah. kind
1: of incensed and giving quite good reactions, but in quite a sensible manner. As opposed to like ripping up the chairs and like we want to get this, well, you know, all that. It's it's relatively yeah, um, yeah s- sensible. There's, a,
0: there's an obvious there's an obvious bit of homophobia in what they're doing, which undermines that a bit. It is like a really difficult, you know, bringing up a child without another parent. Am I right? right. I'm hoping that I don't grow old alone. Am I right? Yeah. I'm hoping that I find Mister Right. Am I
2: right?
0: Honey, you need to get it together, because you're still confused. Listen, you're just jealous, <laughs> because you know I can get any guy here. I
1: think it's definitely playing into the ideas that a gay person because of their lifestyle is not going to be able to raise a child properly. Look, here's a good example. He can't raise this child properly, but he's but he's not raising that child properly. And I think they're angry at him as a person. And perhaps there's some kind of, uh, you know, other things coming into that, but it's never quite explicit like that. And I preferred that. And I, I liked that they'd set up having someone come on at the end to take away the child's child services, because they knew they wouldn't get out of there otherwise. <laughs> yeah. I, I quite like that. You know, he knew he was going to push it to a point where they weren't going to let him leave with this baby.
0: I gave him like a traditional African what name. So what's the baby's name? Is OJ. <laughs> that is I mean, that, that, is, that is just pushing people's buttons. But There's no real justification just beyond that.
1: Absolutely <laughs> fantastic bit of comedy there. <laughs> when the timing know, of it is just yeah, beautiful yeah. it works so well yeah
0: i mean my my favorite laugh in this whole film i think is when when he sat around the campfire with these um you know real kind of gun toting yeah. right wing like hunters are they because he, he's trying to yeah. he's trying to learn to hunt to be more more masculine yeah, and straight yeah, that's right and then he just says, he starts comparing them all to the Sex and the City girls <laughs> and asking which one they all are. And then, the, and then he says, which one are you? And the guy's like, like, his name's Donnie. He's like, I'm not, I'm just Donnie. And then he just says, that is such a Samantha thing to say. <laughs> it is just, that for me is perfect, perfect comedy. It's so, the timing, the delivery, it's Fucking fantastic.
1: The other, just when I was talking about kind of the ethical considerations of what is happening here that we talked about in Borat, there's something with Bruno that Borat doesn't really have in this kind of very sexually aggressive, predatory nature, which is very uncomfortable in some scenes. Which I and I, and I just don't. It doesn't. That doesn't sit well with
0: me either. Is is that because you are? bringing out homophobia by putting people in an extreme situation they would never actually find themselves in? Or is it because it's perpetuating the myth of the predatory gay man? (laughs) Um,
1: I would say not quite either of those. Uh, More just, even if you're doing it for fake, that person is experiencing it for real. And it's a very unpleasant thing to do to a person,
0: well, is it. I I I've had to deal with sexual advances from people I'm not very interested in, and I think that's part of life, isn't it? You just kind of politely shut them down, or you run away and hide, and he, you know. It, but that's it. I the, the, ever... But that's it. He's
1: not. He's not stopping when there's clearly no interest, or, or mm.
0: plus it's happening in an un- inappropriate situation anyway. Well, to be fair, that doesn't account for that much of. The film, I guess it. I guess there's the whole swingers sequence where, he, yeah, and <laughs> but touching that, that's. And just, but that's just you know, he does back off when told to with those people. It's just funny that there's a guy having sex with a woman and then he tells him to look him in the eyes and concentrate. Yeah. that's funny, and and I think it counts as you know punching up because at the end of the day, all he's doing is putting a guy off whilst having sex with a woman. It's like, oh, well. (laughs) Do you know what I mean? It's not like that's ruined his day. But
1: that's (laughs) the thing. That's the thing, I think. The same way we talked about some stuff in Borat, it's treading a very delicate line. And I don't know, for me, it's just, it's very, very much on the line. And and I think there's just something about the nature, particularly when it comes to sexual stuff, because it feeds into something kind of a big bigger you know what I mean there's definitely elements of that that doesn't sit right it's kind of similar when it feels like the character is enjoying being racist it, it just it doesn't always just settle right with me and I think like I said, it's a very fine line to tread and you know it doesn't you don't always have to hit it perfectly as long as you're not going kind of
0: too far over that line Yeah. but it's
1: definitely a consideration it's definitely something I noticed watching it this time around
0: yeah I mean I, on that note I would be fine if they removed the sequence where he's approaching the guy in this tent at night every couple of hours. I, I yeah. don't think that's a particularly good part of the film. I think the stuff beforehand where he's comparing them to the Sex and the City Girls yeah. is comedic perfection. But that is a completely different level to, hey, I'm naked with condoms, a bear, it all my clothes. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Can I sleep with you tonight? Yeah, it's... There's a sense of entrapment, there's a sense of, you know, you're you're waking a guy up repeatedly in the middle of the night. There's all sorts of things where it's not quite the same.
1: Yeah, and even when he's got those politicians in a back room and then he just starts taking his trousers off and, and sort of making advances <laughs> and stuff like that, yeah. it definitely just feels like it's at least very near the mark if not stepping over it, you know? Mm. But I don't think... I don't think you're making any great point about exposing kind of people's attitudes to homosexuality by doing that. It's, um, you know, if anything, you're perpetuating whatever terrible ideas they might have about predatory gays.
0: Yeah, I, I agree. Um, and as I say, they're, they're probably the weakest part of the film for me. I wouldn't mind them being gone, but, but ultimately so much of this film is just hilarious and brilliant to me that I can forgive those weaker parts. But, I mean, no, ultimately, I love Bruno. I think it's a great film, and I think this is my most controversial example. Like, there there's instances where I go against the grain and I hate something people love. They're ten a penny. It's very rare that I, like, legitimately like something a lot that people hate. <laughs> it doesn't happen nearly as often. And I think this is the most extreme case of that. I I do have a list on IMDb that I keep just of like films where my rating is like extremely different than the IMDb rating. Yeah. In that in that direction, can you guess, Alan, what the most extreme difference in my rating is against the IMDb rating? And is is a film we have covered? Is this on a this positive show. or negative difference, or does it not matter? Uh, one that I like and More general really audiences not like. do not like. Yeah, Ooh. and as I say, this is a film we have covered on this show. Yeah, and I think you were fairly upbeat and positive about it as well. No, go on, you tell me. Home Alone: The Holiday Heist.
1: <laughs> yes, Home Alone Five.
0: Yeah, yeah, which I I gave a seven out of ten because I thought it was a solid. Yeah, it was a lot better than it had any right to be. Yeah. But it has three point five on IMDb, which I think is extremely harsh. <laughs> but number two is uh, is Bruno, right? Which has five point eight on IMDb. And I give it 3.2 more than that. I give it 9 out of 10. <laughs> Fair. I,
1: I totally understand that. I, I'm giving it a 7 out of 10. And I guess it's a similar thing. I gave Borat an 8. Well, so yeah, I it kind of yeah, step yeah, down, yeah. just the like, same as you. I, and I think it's a very watchable film. But I sort of cite the same kind of issues I have with, with, with Borat, really. Yeah. I think, if I'm not totally out of my mind here, and I remember what I did earlier, I had these on my IMDb rated as 10 and 9, and I've dropped them down to 8 and 7 on this mm. rewatch. And I think that's down to m- just me as a person changing and kind of...
0: Yeah, yeah.
1: I want to say my sense of humor maturing, but that kind of feels a bit <laughs> condescending. That's not quite what I mean, because um, I don't think it's a kind of necessarily a, a, a an upwards movement. It's just yeah. a sort of development, I think. But I think that's yeah. something that happens with comedy, you know? It ages and and and
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I get that. I mean, part the main reason I wanted to do these films again is because I wanted to revisit them and see if they... I didn't. I wasn't sure that all this stuff would hold up when I went back to it. I thought I might feel less comfortable with it. And I think what really sparked this off, to, to make a bit of a transition here, Sacha Baron Cohen, I mean, I think after Bruno, he officially retired Borat and Bruno. He basically said, like, I can't do this anymore. It's done. I'm too famous. And then kind of out of nowhere, two years ago, he released a show called Who is America? And largely in secret, he'd developed a load of new comedy characters, and he'd managed to go back to the well. Noticeably far more makeup and prosthetics involved to disguise him this time around. But he went back to the well and and gave us Who is America, which is... More of what he used to do, but with brand new characters. And I mean, it, it. I was struck when I watched Who Is America by just how funny I found it, and how how much I would kind of forgotten that I love what Sacha Baron Cohen used to do. I mean,
1: I I've watched. I just basically for this episode watched a couple of a couple of episodes of Who Is America, um, which I hadn't seen before. To be honest with you, I think my main problem with it. Is that it, it's it's much more pointed, like politically, it's much more trying to make a point and get a response out of people, and I don't think there's anything wrong with that. But it just that feeling of depression of just exposing you to the, <laughs> the, what the people are like out there, uh, and it's unleavened by the comedy in the same way. And it's, so it's yeah, it's I know what you mean. Sort
0: of, you know, it's, it's it's depressing to watch. Really, it's a show that goes after gun advocates and gets to a point where they're filming stuff to promote guns to children, literally to, like, toddlers. Yeah. You know, there there is a... Uh, is he a politician? There's an eminent American who takes minimal provocation to get him to shout the N-word at the top of his lungs. He's, yeah, he was like it's a low-level things...
1: politician who, but who immediately had to uh, kind of resign, basically, after this came out. So at least that's Yeah, and, and,
0: but I mean, it's... <laughs> It, it's it's a fascinating, I mean, comedy removed. It's a fascinating social experiment. Yeah, sometimes. that's there, it. There is a guy. If you, if
1: you approach it not as comedy, I think it'd probably be easier to take.
0: <laughs> did you did you watch the one where he plays his new kind of Israeli special forces character and takes these men undercover into an Antifa protest? No. Oh my god! I mean, that is it's incredible. He. He spends a day training these, like, right-wing, make-America-great-again people to infiltrate liberal left-wing types by getting them to memorise their... He he poses questions to them that they'll be posed, such as, what's your favourite episode of Girls? (laughs) (laughs) And has them memorise... My favorite episode is season two, episode eight, because Marnie moves in with her new boyfriend <laughs> <laughs> and things like that. And then, and then he takes them out. I think they're dressed as lesbians or something bizarre. I am assuming they're all, but men, they're basically right? just yeah, they're they're <laughs> basically just men in in dresses who are then like trying to go up to these people and talk to them about girls, <laughs> as in as in the TV comedy series, the Lena Dunham comedy series, Girls and then he he the he gets this guy he tells him look this is a this is a special highly um experimental device but we we've started using it in in the army you place this on the person's body uh so we need you to go in tap like tap them on the back and just put this thing and he gives him like a little sticker kind of thing and then he says and then what we can do is detonate it remotely It it has a tracker, and when we press this button, it will use sonic energy or whatever to detonate, uh, basically give them a heart attack and kill them, and assassinate them. (laughs) Uh, And we want you to go in and find a target. And, And he gets this man to go and put this, like, sticker on this guy's back who is harmless, who he chats to, seems harmless, but he's part of Antifa and therefore a terrorist. And then the guy, you know... There's a degree of entrapment, but he ultimately chooses to press the thing and as far as he is concerned, end a man's life. No. <laughs> and it is amazing because you can tell from the guy's reaction that he believes what he's doing. Because he then has to sit there for a bit and he's like, Are you okay? And he's like, Yeah, sorry, it's just I, I've never I've never taken a life before. Like you can like it it really it is unreal. What you've
1: just what you've just described there. That's the sort of thing I would actually really like and, and not bring any comedy into it, not try and leaven it and and not try and kind of do silly things, but play it quite straight with stuff like that. I think I would find that much more fascinating and see how far you can push people, not even necessarily on a kind of let's take down the right kind of way, but in yeah. a, in just in a kind of human psychology, like how how easily you can push people. And I bet you could find people who aren't even that right wing and and...
0: Like, as a psychological experiment, it would be very interesting yeah, yeah. to do all that. What, watch Darren Brown yeah. convincing people to push people off of balconies and stuff. It, it, you know, that's what he does, isn't it? I mean, personally, I thought Who Is America was a wonderful a wonderful treat <laughs> that I just wasn't expecting to happen. If anyone cares, I gave the series a 9 out of 10, which is, you know, <laughs> a step down from the Ali G show, but still very good. Do you think there's any scope, Alan? For another Sacha Baron Cohen movie in this vein, I I wish Sacha Baron Cohen had just gone away and filmed like six movies <laughs> on the sly for uh. each of these characters <laughs> without anyone realizing, and then just had him in the ba- in the tank. Like, right, we'll release these over the next few years. <laughs> Because there's so few examples of this in cinema. I mean, I can tell you off the top of my head, There, there's a film I've mentioned several times now called Windy City Heat, mm-hmm. which um, is an absolutely excellent, excellent comedy film. I, I think it predates Borat by three years, and it's, it's, it's not narrative in the same sense, because the prank, the narrative of it isn't artificially tacked on to what, like, the whole, all the prank is the narrative, you know? It, it, it I, I don't know. Look it up.
1: <laughs> What's the, the something that comes to mind is there was a TV show. I can't remember the name of the actor. You'll know who it is. He did a show which I think was called My New Best Friend. Oh God! A, and he does a lot of stuff. Yeah, like Mark this Mark, kind of Mark Witten, is it something that's like it, that? Mark Witten. He had an
0: excellent excellent character called Shirley Ghostman. Oh yeah, yeah. That's who right, was a yeah. spirit medium. And oh my god, some of the stuff on Shirley Ghostman is just magical. But the the thing
1: about that is, I was I was thinking in terms of because when I saw on the Bruno he does a bit with the spirit medium, I was thinking that'd be a great character like Sasha Baron Cohen as a spirit medium. I think he he could like create a character yeah, that would really work. For yeah, that. yeah. The yeah. problem with that is, if you're with the spirit medium, who are you taking the piss out of? Just sad like p- people who are trying to find like to talk to their dead kids and stuff. It's like you can't have fun with that. Mark wouldn't did. Yeah, I know. But what I mean is that I think what I would like, what I would like is to kind you, you of. You want them to really get into the medium, it. And yeah. And and read, you know. Like the, do
0: cold readings that are making fun of them.
1: Yeah. The problem with like the. <laughs> like if you go and see a real spirit medium, they might not literally go, well, let's do that again. But they will just do things over and over and over again and 90% miss rate until they get something right. So it's just it's
0: it's kind of already satirizing itself it is sort of it's difficult to i i must say i i am i'm amazed mark wooden hasn't gone out there and made a film yeah that's what because like you yeah. say this is something you could do on the cheap you know you don't need a huge degree of funding to make something like this you you do to make a really high quality one but you know mark mark wooden he went off to LA he made a show called la la land before right, that was yeah, a, yeah. a Oscar-nominated film. You know, if he went off and made a little film on a camcorder, I think he could get somewhere with it.
1: Thank you for listening, and just wanted to make a note here, because since we recorded this, but while we've been editing it, Sasha Baron Cohen has been spotted in character at a right-wing rally, trying to whip the crowd up into a bit of a racist fervour. So obviously something else on the horizon, possibly another series of Who Is America. And I just wanted to let you know, if you are listening to this in good time, we are recording a live episode on Tuesday, 7th of July. So if you're listening to this episode uh, the day or day after it comes out, Do come and join us for that live podcast. Uh, We want all the listeners there. You can ask us questions and join in and throw comments in and stuff like that. We are going to be discussing a particular film, just like a normal episode. A new Will Ferrell film that's just come out on Netflix called Eurovision. We are doing it at 8pm, that's British Summertime, Tuesday the 7th of July. Check our social media near that time to find out the, the details of the Zoom meeting that we'll be doing it in. Find us at Dim Returns Pod on Twitter or Instagram. Thank you very much, and check us out next week when we start a trilogy of episodes looking at a director's career. Join us for that.